Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey there, thanks for listening to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. We're trying to keep it simple for you. So much great stuff out there. How do we kind of just bite-size it so we can figure out how to put it into practice? And today, we're going to talk to a great leader and a great friend of mine, a guy by the name of Dave Dummett. Dave and I have been friends for many years, back to the days we were both doing young adult ministry in Kentucky, and he went on to plant a church in uh, Brighton, Michigan, that our church, Real Life Church, helped them get started uh, by financially supporting them and had a chance to go out there and speak for them a few times. That church grew from zero to about 10,000 during Dave's time there, and Dave has moved on to take over the legendary church, Willow Creek Community Church. Unfortunately, Willow went through a bit of a scandal a few years ago when their lead pastor had to step down, and they went for several years without a lead pastor while they combed the nation looking for the right guy to follow the legend. And Dave was the guy. And Dave is a great guy and a great leader, and it has not always been easy to follow a legend, to deal with scandals, to deal with haters, and to build trust with a skeptical organization. So Dave's going to share some of the things that he's learned along the way. I think it'll be helpful for all of us, regardless of whatever season of life that you're in. So this is going to be great, and you're probably going to think of somebody you want to share this with. I also have some real exciting news for you, and that is our book, After Amen. Uh, We're giving it away for the cheap price, cheaper than Amazon, of 12 bucks with all the profits going to a great organization called Saving Innocence. So this month... If you go to PastorRustyGeorge.com, type in the code word INNOCENCE, you can get one book for 12 bucks, or two for 20, or three for 30, four for 40, whatever you want to do, or make a significant donation because all the profits are going to saving innocence as they work to help rescue kids from human trafficking, and it's just a great organization. You may remember hearing about them in episode 162 with Alan Smith, so I'd love for you to be a part of that. We've got several key influencers uh, that are joining us with this and promoting it on social media platforms. Feel free to do that as well. Just send people to PastorRustyGeorge.com. They can get the book for 12 bucks, and then they're going to know that they're supporting a really great organization. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Red Letter Challenge, one of my favorite, favorite devotionals for an individual or a church. You can go to RedLetterChallenge.com Rusty. They'll send you a free book. I'm serious, totally free for pastors, and you can check out all the all the hype on this because people love this book, and you can find out how to do a 40-day challenge with your church. Great thing to do in October uh, when everybody's settled back into school and being back from vacations and Labor Day and those kind of things, or kick off the first of the year with it. Well, today, can't wait for you to hear from my friend Dave Dummett. Here we go. All right, Dave Dummett, thank you so much for joining us on the Leading Simple Podcast. Uh, You and I go way back, but for our listeners who don't know your story, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I mean, Rusty, uh, other than being your friend, uh, there's a few things about me. Um, uh, We... uh, my wife and I got married. I went to Wheaton College, went to Asbury Seminary, uh, did a worship ministry for a couple of years, young adult ministry, and then ended up planting a church in Michigan, uh, just outside Detroit, Ann Arbor, a little bedroom community called Brighton. It's called 242 Community Church. We planted that in 2005. And um, 
just recently, about a year ago, uh, came out to lead at Willow Creek Community Church. And that is in just outside of Chicago, South Barrington, I believe. Is that yep. right? Yeah, we have, con- well, we have my offices here in South Barrington. We've got campuses from downtown Chicago all the way out to the western suburbs of Huntley. So, okay. That's great. Well, for uh, our listeners who may not be familiar um, with some of those uh, those churches, I mean, 242 was an idea that you planted from ground zero. Um, was there a sending church at all, or did you just totally parachute in there? Yeah. Um, so we were... Um, I was doing a young adult ministry. It was sort of a church within a church is what they called it back then, kind of a Gen X ministry. And um, Mm -hmm. when the elders didn't know what to do with it and it was kind of hitting its lid organizationally, uh, one of the things they had us look into was church planting and multi-site. And that's where I came across a couple of people. One is Dave Ferguson at Community Christian Church in Chicago. And he's the one that kind of turned me on to sort of a multi-site and church planting. And then he introduced me uh, to a police officer named Bob Smith, uh, who was actually in Michigan. And uh, his story is just tremendous. He, he uh, basically had the idea for 242. He uh, got three or four or five churches, sending churches and organizations to say, if you can find a planter uh, that we can agree on, we'll come to the table with some seed money. And, uh, and Bob is really the one that had the idea in the first place. So he's, uh, he, and he raised the first initial dollars that brought me on. And, uh, I would always joke with him, you know, your story is incredible, but at the same time, it's easier to raise money when you, when you have a gun. <laughs> so Dave, you and I go way back to our time in Kentucky. And then when I moved out to California, you ended up going to Brighton, Michigan, and uh, Real Life Church helped 242 get started um, financially and yeah. offered support in a variety of ways. And one of which I'll never forget was our good friend Mark White, who was on staff with us at the time, decided to go out and be part of one of your launch Sundays. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, it's so typical Mark, if you know him. And just anxious to help, he pulled up to where he thought the uh, – uh, the setup was going on uh, the day before and he just got out and started helping people move furniture around and started talking to people about, Hey, you excited about tomorrow? And they kind of had a bit of a puzzled look on their face. Come to find out he had actually just gone to a, um, the wrong location, which was a furniture store. And he was in the back of the building, helping people move furniture in and out, which is pretty hilarious when you know him. <laughs> Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question I think that a lot of church leaders have, and a lot of leaders in any area. How do you know when it's time to leave? You had planted this church. It was your baby. And yet, you'd had several opportunities to leave. Several places came calling, and you said no to a lot of them. Why was this the right time? Was it a timing thing? Was it a location thing? How do you sense God's voice and all that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, there was a timing thing for sure. Um, uh, well, I'll just tell you the story. You know, um, Willow Creek called, and uh, you know, if you're familiar with church world at all, this is this is one of the legacy churches. I mean, this is one of the churches that um, 
just about everywhere I go, somebody's got a willow story. Somebody's got a, a way that the leadership here or this church is somehow built into their ministry. In fact, there's probably a bunch of 20 and 30 something leaders that don't even realize that some of the things they're doing um, got pioneered uh, in places like this and Saddleback and some other churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they called and said, would you come out? And, and at the time, you know, Willow had just experienced this crisis. Uh, their senior leader, um, you know, had, had kind of resigned a little early uh, because of a, a, you know, a bit of a scandal. And, um, and they were, they were really floundering and they hadn't been able to, to find somebody. They asked me to, to consider it. And, and I was able to say no, pretty much, uh, you know, w without a whole lot of <laughs> even praying about it because, you know, at 242, we had momentum and we had a healthy team and, you know, we were having a kind of our best year, uh, really in 15 years, our 15th year was the best one. And uh, it just really felt like, you know, why would we leave? My wife and I have always kind of uh, made those decisions through the, the, the criteria the, the, with the question, you know, we, we only have one life to invest. So how do we have the greatest impact with our life for the kingdom as we can? And, and at that point, you know, Willow had reputation and it had money and, you know, its, its facilities are basically paid for. Um, but... 242, you know, had had um, healthy culture and momentum. And I just sort of felt like even though Willow Creek was twice as big, it wasn't about how many people can I pastor today, but how many people can I reach? Uh, you know, can God, can I partner with God to reach throughout the rest of my life? And I just felt like 242 was it. So said no. Um, six months later, they came back and said, hey, we, we didn't find anybody in our first round. Would you pray about it? And <laughs> so how do you say no to that? Um, we said, sure, we'll pray about it. But, you know, Rusty, the more I prayed about it, the more I thought and, and thought through it, I'm going, you know, here's, here's a church where I felt like the, the, uh, the new elder board would probably overcorrect and really micromanage that new leader. And I thought, man, I'm a church planner. I don't think I would do well in that environment. And I also know that I didn't, I don't think anybody would describe me as, you know, number one empathy gift. And so really felt like, you know, this was a, uh, and I know you say so you can relate, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, this was a, a community that was just really hurting um, after the crisis that they were going through. And, and I just didn't feel like I was the best leader to serve them in that time. So I said no again after six months. And then it was a, Goodness, it was probably a full year since the first they asked me and they were still looking and asked me to really consider it. And my wife is the one that said, you know, Dave, they keep calling. We ought to maybe at least have a conversation with the leaders. And I said, why? What are you, what are you thinking? And she said, well, you know, 242 is so healthy. That's, that's why you don't, you don't think we should leave. But maybe God wants to, to help have us help over here. And maybe there's God could could have two thriving churches with a move like this. And I thought, daggone it, that sounds like the Holy Spirit talking. And mm. we ended up having one conversation and just fell in love with the people here. And, uh, you know, back to your question, how do you know it's time to leave? We were having our best year. I had a, We had a team at 242 that literally everything that I did, we had a 
you know, probably one or two or three people that could do it, whether it's preaching or leading or, or that sort of thing. And, and so my wife and I looked at each other and said, in pursuit of two thriving, healthy churches, um, we feel like God might, God's calling us to do this. Um, I know that, um, you know, walking into a difficult situation is something that a lot of people have faced, whether you have, you know, you've walked into um, a blended marriage and uh, now suddenly it's kind of a very difficult kind of home situation. Maybe it's a, a job situation. Maybe it's a ministry situation. But tell us a little bit about, and, and I don't mean like the scandal details, but Dave, when you got to Willow Creek, you had a variety of things to begin to deal with. You had obviously the the passing of the baton from one leadership to another. You had the issues of a scandal, but you also had a staff that was overwhelmed and they needed more than just a leader. They needed a pastor. They needed some triage. Can you talk us through your perspective on that when you got there? Yeah. So, uh, the environment we walk into, well, this was, um, you know, a, a leader that had been here 40 plus years. He was the founder, started the church and, uh, to, to walk away, you know, under a bit of a, a scandal, basically, um, there were people grieving that loss, uh, as you can imagine. Um, there was among the staff, not just the grief from that loss, but sort of the trauma uh, of what they described as sort of a culture of fear hmm. uh, that it, that that had been longstanding here, and then probably just a little bit of anxiety as well uh, over the fact that we're entering into this pandemic and they didn't have a leader, and it had been 18, 20 months, and uh, nobody was really sure how things were going to go forward, and so there was a lot of of tension that we walked into. The other thing I'd share is is just a lack of trust. When you have a leader that breaks trust uh, and then a whole new board, the, the entire board stepped down. It's a whole brand new board. Uh, and that board was trying to pick up pieces. And there was just, there was not a lot of trust board to staff, uh, congregation to board uh, staff to each other. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of trust that we were walking into. Um, and then this last year, I mean, you asked what we walked into, but the last year, uh, to be making a transition, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, we said goodbye to our, our, our church and hello to Willow over zoom, mm -hmm. um, and trying to build trust in that, uh, in that environment is, is certainly a challenge. So, um, tough, tough situation. And then the thing I would add to it is just, we were in a bit of a financial free fall. Mm. The um, people were, you know, they, they weren't sure about what the future of this place looked like. And there were just a lot of people jumping ship. And um, and so that was something that they weren't used to. This was a, a well-resourced uh, organization for a long time. And so people were asking a lot of questions about finances. And, and uh, you know, we had that sort of change management uh, best practice that says, hey, we're going to come in and we're going to make friends and build trust over time. And then we can begin once we have the trust of people to begin to make some changes um, slowly at first and then win more trust and that sort of thing. But our financial situation just made that uh, impossible. Our, our, uh, 
our CFO came in one day and said, Dave, we just can't afford to do church this way much longer. And so we had to make changes very rapidly. So you have a, a, a group of people in the church, 20,000 people that call Willow home. And suddenly you have to communicate to them that things aren't quite as good as they thought they were. Um, and, and they knew things were bad as far as just the loss of their leader, but now finances are bad. Things have to change. Um, you got to rip the bandaid off on a lot of things right away. Mm-hmm. You can only imagine that not everybody agreed with that. Um, tell me, um, well, tell our listeners about the, the, the meeting that took place outside and uh, you trying to cast vision and people's response. I think this kind of sums up what you had to walk into. Well, now you're talking about my trauma. Uh, that's, uh, that was a tough <laughs> that's meeting. That's true. Yeah, and I guess if your listeners are really interested, you can just go online and find it. Uh, someone posted it on the YouTube, and uh, <laughs> it was tough. I'll, I'll just tell you exactly what happened leading up to that. We were communicating the changes that needed to be made um, among all of our uh Uh, our campuses and we um, in an effort to try and build trust uh, we were going first as a leadership and kind of trusting local campus leadership to be communicating and so we weren't checking up and we weren't you know digging in and saying are these things being communicated and in one of our seven campuses those things were not being communicated and so when uh you know, a lot of that staff in particular uh, quit out of protest and uh, we um, we had to downsize uh, a number of staff at that location as well. Uh, we had a lot of congregants that were going, what is happening? Uh, we're hearing this for the first time. Uh, and they just felt really uh, like there was poor communication. And so you know, I just kind of had to stand up in front of those folks and take it and say, listen, uh, there were a few people that were in charge uh, that were responsible for you being communicated to well, and you were not. And I'm the one that leads that team. And so, you know, we don't throw people under the bus on our team. We just stand there and say, I'm the one that's responsible for the team. You didn't get the communication. And uh, so I just had to apologize for that. Tell me how they reacted. They're in their cars. Imagine this, people. They're in their cars watching this conversation go down. You're out in front of a microphone with speakers trying to communicate to the core of this campus. Mm -hmm. And then some people got to share some things. Would you walk our people through that? (laughs) Well, I can't walk you through too much of it. There were a lot of bad words and uh, (laughs) off-color comments, and it just really wasn't pretty. But you know what? It comes from hurt. It comes from a people that were had gone through, uh, you know, the grief of the last few years. They'd already been through leadership changes. And uh, and now the only people that they had been looking to for care and for trust uh, were being either laid off or they were jumping ship out of protest. And so the people, I, I, I really can't blame the people uh, too much. And you know, you just got to love them. And, and that's kind of what we've tried to do and gotten some new leadership in that campus. It's, uh, I mean, it, this, the sense of health, uh, is just kind of pouring in with a fresh wind and it's, it's, it's feeling, um, it's feeling pretty hopeful. 
Hey, everybody, let me take just a moment to interrupt our conversation to tell you about something really cool we're doing in September. Uh, We want to support this great organization called Saving Innocence. They work to rescue kids from human trafficking in Southern California. And so we want to benefit Saving Innocence by um, giving profits from After Amen uh, to them. So if you will go to PastorRustyGeorge.com and buy a copy of After Amen for the reduced rate of 12 bucks, it's I think over 15 on Amazon, we're going to give profits to Saving Innocence, a great way to support Saving Innocence and maybe a great gift to give somebody else. That's the book After Amen, What to Do While Waiting on God. For $12, PastorRustyGeorge.com. Simply use the promo code SI, the letters SI for Saving Innocence, and we'll be able to support this great organization called Saving Innocence. All right, back to our show. You know, you've mentioned several times about a campus feeling healthy, a culture of health. We, I think we all kind of define that generally the same, but there's some differences. Healthy campus in somebody's mind or a healthy organization might mean everybody gets along. Another person might define that as clear communication. Another person might define that as my ideas are heard and executed. Um, how would you define a healthy culture? And what are some of the, when you look at different facets of your organization, what do you look for to see if these places are indeed healthy? Well, um, you know, we have metrics. I think you measure what matters. We have metrics that we would look to for health. But beyond that, when you talk about culture, uh, I think I would talk about people that uh, have clarity around the vision, mission, uh, people that that have a team first rather than a me first attitude, uh, folks that have uh, a humility. I mean, in church world, I, I, this is this is the organization that, that exists for those outside of itself. And so for me, mm-hmm. a healthy campus of a church, a healthy church has an external focus uh, to it, not just mm-hmm. um, making sure that we are one another health, healthy, but we're trying to figure out how do we reach the people that Jesus cared so much about? And so those are some of the things I would look at as to uh, whether, whether or not a church is healthy. Okay, so Dave, I want to ask you about this because I think this is something that a lot of church leaders are facing right now and business leaders, um, and, and it happens everywhere. Sometimes you have to step into a situation where there's big shoes to fill. Uh, you mentioned that you followed a leader that had planted the church and he'd grown up to where it was today and it was a massive organization, and he was beloved and recognized around the world from presidents to rock stars to prime ministers to people on the street. Um, Scandal aside, those are big shoes to fill. How do you follow a legend, and what do you do to make sure that you find your own kind of path, but also you honor the past? Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I think you have to honor the good. Uh, so how do you follow a legend? You've got to honor the good, um, in, you know, what did that person do? What was good about that person's leadership? Um, but then also I think you honor the people that helped build the church and therefore, you know, in a sense, begin to show people that it wasn't just about one superstar rock star leader it was about you as well so i'm looking at 
the people of the church and saying, look at what you did through your generosity. Look at what you did over the last 42 years through your volunteering. Look at what some of the amazing staff have done here. And so, whereas so many times we attribute things to, you know, that one rock star leader, I'm helping the organization see that it was a team effort, that what happened here was, was way beyond just one person. Uh, not to, I'm not taking anything away from that person publicly at all. I'm, I'm honoring the good that, that happened. I'm honoring the good that that person did, but then also honoring the people that helped make it happen. And then, of course, in our context, church context, I'm also honoring what God has done um, and just pointing out his role in it. I'm telling the stories that, you know, but God, but for God, you know, just couldn't have happened without his showing up. Um, and in that way, helping people recognize that we're not just relying on one person who's now gone, so therefore we can't rely on them. But how how can I how can we rely on the people that are here on the God that is still for us? And so that's one of the that's one of the ways that we've talked about. The other thing is uh, when I talk about honoring the good of that legend um, is is honoring the values and the principles that you're bringing along in in, you know, in the new season of leadership. So Bill Hybels was, you know, um, was absolutely committed to, uh, to being a church that was for lost people. He'd say, you know, lost people matter to God and they ought to matter to us as well. And, you know, that's something that I adopted a long time ago. And so I can repeat those values with a lot of passion, a lot of integrity, um, and w- without having to say that was that, that, that was about a person, but it was about the values that that person held and those values still live on. Um, yeah, you know, about being yourself, uh, that that's a good question because I think in some ways, wow, um, when I look at what happened at 242, my last church, um, I, I can say, this is what happened there. This is who I was there. This, this is how I, how I operated there. But I, I very quickly started to, and I think every leader should probably be doing this, is oh, 242 grew because of my leadership, but 242 also grew in spite of my leadership. And so there was definitely a season of uh, sort of self-reflection as I was coming into this new space and this new uh, challenge where I'm saying, hey, what are some of the things that I don't want to take into this new season? Um, And so what begins to emerge is this idea of, for me at least, was sort of seeing, we don't really want this new season of ministry. We don't want it to be Willow, and we don't want it to be 242. We want it to be this new sort of option C, and not that we're going to rename it, um, but God has a new season. And I'm going to be different in that season, and Willow's going to be different in that season, and it really is a you know day by day uh, sort of discovery of what God's building. Boy, there's such wisdom in that because a leader has to know who they are, who they're not. Because while every situation requires you to be things a little bit out of your comfort zone, you don't want to forsake who you are and who God has created you to be. Uh, which I think that you've you've really fulfilled that well. Let let me ask you about staff, and I don't mean anybody in particular, but when you move into a new situation and you cast new vision, 
there are some people that are quick adopters, early adopters that are like, yeah, I'm in. And then some people that just self-select and say, I'm out. But then there's people that kind of languish in the middle and say, I'll wait and see. I'm not so sure. How do you, de- how do you determine, okay, they're just a late adopter. They'll come around or you know what? They're going to be a problem and they could even be a cancer in their organization and they probably need to move out. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, that we did here in regards to the, um, the right sizing of our staff is that we offered opt-outs to staff. We had a very generous opt-out package uh, and, and really with sort of no questions asked. So if someone was just absolutely not aligned with a new vision that was happening here, or if they were just tired, um, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, they were able to, to take that opt out. And we saw a lot of great stories and honoring and um, people just sort of self-selecting off the team because we gave them a very generous uh, sort of runway uh, onto their next season of, of work. And so that was really, really helpful. It wasn't my idea. And, uh, and I, I am so glad, though, that we ended up doing that because a lot of people self-selected. There's a risk in that because you, there are some people that I think left that I wish they hadn't. Um, but overall, I, I think it was a good it was a good thing. Um, you know, for me, I I'm looking for attitude. Um, I'm looking for the folks that are hopeful and forward, sort of future thinking, and sort of watching out for the people that are negative or constantly talking about the past. Mm. Um, I'm looking for people that are or uh, l- are thinking more about the people that we want to reach rather than the people we want to keep or constantly thinking inwardly about the people that are here and playing defense. And, mm-hmm. and then I'm also thinking about those that are really more on the faith side than the fear side mm-hmm. of things. Um, yeah, I, I love that. And I, I read one time in a book that there's a difference between somebody with a critical eye and a critical spirit. Isn't that good? Uh, and I can't take any credit for that. Um, but th- we want people with critical eyes because they help us make things better. But you know, people with critical spirits that man, everything's bad, everything's negative, and you just you don't want to be around them. So why would you want to hire them? So I think that that's something we all have to watch out for. Um, uh, let me ask you this. You've done, you've done two of the toughest things in leadership, not even just ministry. You've started something new. You've transitioned something. Now, I know we're only a year into the transition. What's harder and what's the differences? Between the two? Well, um, you know, I think when you're starting something new, you have the, um, you have the challenges of, really gathering the early support. I mean, all the momentum in the early stages of church planting, it, all the momentum comes from you. I mean, it really does. And until you start having teammates and until you start having uh, some resources, uh, as soon as you start establishing some systems, then you can begin to see some of that momentum happen in other places. And, you know, you can lead from a little different seat. But in the beginning, when you're starting something new, uh, all the momentum has to come from you. And um, 
that's exciting to me. I mean, I, I enjoyed that process. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about when you start something is that all the problems that you have are all the problems that they're all your problems, you know? <laughs> so it's like when you plant a church, um, you know, you're a year in or five years in and there's problems or weaknesses or things like that. You kind of go, well, I kind of have to own that. Nope. Um, the idea, uh, the, the problems that come or, or uh, the problems or challenges uh, in turning something around, uh, what I've found in the last year have a lot to do with building the plane while you fly it. Uh, you know, I remember when we were starting a church, I showed up at the office the first day and we weren't going to have weekend services for months. And, uh, you know, I could just sit at my desk and dream and write down mission statements and vision statements and values and things like that. And all of those things, um, building teams, uh, building systems, things like that. A lot of that is having to happen here, um, you know, with an ongoing organization that has to be run. So you have to run the organization and work on the organization at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a big challenge. Mm -hmm. There are the, the challenges of, you know, I don't think you can lean, I don't think you can lead people until they are leaning in, mm. you know, and they're not leaning in until they trust you. Yeah. And so that, that again has been one of the big challenges here is, um, especially over zoom. Right. I mean, to try and build trust, uh, you know, how are you doing? Tell me your story. Tell me about your family. All those kinds of relational connects are happening over zoom in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's been a real challenge. Dave, you have walked through uh, some of the most difficult things. Uh, a lot of leaders will ever face. You walked into following a scandal, following a legend, um, COVID, doing everything on Zoom, not being able to address your congregation face-to-face -face until eight months later. Uh, and then on top of all that, people were calling for your head. There was a website started to fire Dave Dummett. There were meetings. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with everybody. Yeah. Well, I started it. That's why. Uh, I, I bought the domain name. Uh, but you had all this stuff that you had to face what, tell me about your relationship with God through all that. I mean, did you have a lot of dark nights of the soul? Was there a lot of, wow. um, you got me into this, will you get me out of it? Or did you feel your calling was so strong that you knew this was exactly where you were supposed to be? Yeah, my relationship with God in the last year has really, uh, I, I think beautiful is the word. Um I, I think for a lot of leaders, the prize is at the end of the race. And I'm learning that the prize is really the opportunity to run. You know, it's it's in the work. Uh, the, the reward is in the work itself. And especially in, in relationship to God, I, I feel as though I have a front row seat to watching God build his church. Mm. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and, and, and hell won't be able to stand against it. And I feel like I get a front row seat to watch him do that. Um, the old Testament story that has really meant a lot to me is just really the, the whole concept of manna in the wilderness. Mm. 
and that God showed up every day to provide for his people. And there have been many, many, many days in a row here where I felt like, I don't know if I have the strength to get back up and do it again. Um, and then, you know, I'll be walking to my car at the end of the day and someone stops me and, and gives me a word of encouragement or, um, you know, my buddy Rusty will shoot me a text and just so say, Hey, I saw your message this weekend. It was, it was awesome. And, and honestly, those texts come from Pete, from you, or, or we'll get a, uh, somebody in the parking lot, but I know those are coming from God because of the timing of them hmm. and, and it just really has been a sweet season of fellowship uh, with God. That's the truth. I mean, you expect a pastor to say that. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, I, I feel very, very fortunate to have been placed in a situation where I have to depend on him every day. I think that's so well said. And I think that we all go through storms. We all go through difficulties. God is with us. Do we choose to lean in or lean away? I remember hearing a, another pastor talk about a, a depression he went through and some physical ailments, and he was unable to preach for a while. And he said, it was during those times I felt so close to God. And then after I got better, I remember waking up you know, a few months after everything was back to normal, and I thought, I miss God mm -hmm. because he felt so close during those difficult times. And I think that you have uh, you've tapped into something that a lot of us need to be reminded of, and that is in those dark nights of the soul, lean in because he's, th he's still there. Uh, it's just a matter if we choose to see him. Hey, buddy, I, you know I love you, and I am so proud of you and so grateful for um, just you taking this job because Willow has done so much for so many and somebody needed to, to stand up and take care of them, and you did it. And I'm proud of you, and I'm excited to see Willow's best days ahead of them. Pray for you and cheer you on constantly, and uh, just thank you for being on the, the podcast today. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Rusty. Well, thanks for listening. As always, share this with a friend. And if you'd leave a review or rate this, boy, it really mean the world to me. And we love reading those reviews. Um, got a great one from my buddy Justin Moxley about the podcast. Love that. Thank you, Justin. And I'd love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram, Rusty L. George. Email me, rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. Next week, this is going to be a lot of fun. Oscar-winning animator, Glenn Keane on the gospel in beauty and the beast animating kobe bryant and following jesus through the unknown you may not know glenn but you know his work and you're going to love this episode so can't wait to talk to you next week until then keep it simple take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week and subscribe to the rusty george youtube channel for more devotionals messages and fun videos Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.